This is the Family Friendly Workplace Podcast, produced by Women's Agenda. When it comes to creating a family-friendly workplace, often it's the little things that can make the biggest difference. Those little things might be as simple as the comments that come from a direct manager or colleague, comments that tell us when it's not only okay to say access workplace flexibility to go and pick up your child from school, but that it's actually expected and understood that you have a life outside of work. My name is Angela Priestley and this is the Family Friendly Workplaces podcast, a special series developed to bring to life some of the things that workplaces and leaders are currently doing to create family friendly workplaces. Today, my guest is Katrina Troughton, the Managing Director of IBM Australia New Zealand, a role she was appointed to following a 28-year career at the company working all over the world. Katrina not only knows the power and potential of the little things, she's benefited from them firsthand. IBM has excellent workplace flexibility, but as Katrina shares here, it's so often the conversation we have about this flexibility that enables people to use it in such a way that helps them to thrive. It's the conversations that can ultimately empower staff to share their own ideas on how they can make a role work in line with their caring responsibilities. A mother of three children herself, Katrina outlines here how she's built a leadership career and taken on major international promotions while either pregnant or while managing small babies at home, while having toddlers, while having kids in school. She shares how she's communicated her own ambitions and how she was never constrained by the assumptions of others. She also goes through what IBM is doing to be family friendly, especially in taking the lessons of the pandemic period forward. Let's get stuck in. Okay, so this podcast is about family friendly workplaces and I want to start by asking how you've personally been able to make your own job and leadership family friendly, especially having worked all over the world and obviously heading up now IBM in Australia and New Zealand as managing director. Well, look, I think um, one of the reasons that I've uh, had a great career at IBM and been able to be successful is the the culture and commitment IBM's always had around inclusion. And diversity and inclusion in particular, I think, is it is a lot about being able to be who you are at work and feeling confident and able to um, work the way that's going to deliver the best results for you and for the business. Mm. So in terms of um, IBM, I think one of the things I've always benefited from is a really um, flexible environment. And that means, you know, the, the sort of informal flexibility you might need when you have to drop someone off at school or pick someone up or, um, you know, dash out of the office to get something done or work from home has mm-hmm. always been key in the way I've had the opportunity to work. I, I do remember um, when I was, I, I spent a number of years as our managing director in New Zealand, and I remember one day um, talking to one of our new employees, and she'd been there about a month, and I sort of said, well, how's it going, and how are you finding it? And she said, it's great. I, I feel like I'm a grown-up here. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean you feel like you're a grown-up? And she said, well, it's the first place I've worked where, you know, she's balancing little kids and coming into office. She said, no one asks me where I've been and how come it's 8 to 15 and you haven't mm. been here or 
you know, having to dash home at four o'clock because you have to get something, you know, sorted out for the kids. No one asked. So long as I'm there delivering what I need to and being successful, it's the outcome that matters. Mm. And I think that's always stuck with me. So it's always something I keep in mind when I think about the kind of environment we want to create. And then um, I think the second part that um, I personally really valued is the fact that I've always felt I can talk about my environment and what's going to give me the best outcome. And one of the uh, one of the best cases I think I had of that is when I did have um, just had, had my second uh, baby and was coming back to work in IBM in Sydney. And um, my manager said to me, "I think this is a really good opportunity. What do you think about going to New Zealand and being the managing director?" Mm, okay. And I went <laughs> deep breath. Uh oh, <laughs> yeah. And um, and my personal thoughts were, oh my gosh, you know, headquarters is in Wellington. You know, I'd have to be based in Wellington. I don't have any family support. I don't have any other support. I don't know how I'd make that happen. And I was really lucky. I talked to one of my mentors, and she said, "Well, couldn't you work in Auckland or somewhere else?" Which happened to be where my sister and a lot of our family were. Mm. And um, I went, hmm. She said, so go and have that discussion. And I think that ability to go in and then say to my boss, look, um, I'm so excited about the opportunity. I really think I could do it if I can get it set up right, given given my little kids and Mm. everything else we're going through with toddlers. And, you know, so my thinking is, what if I work out of Auckland, where I've got that support, and, you know, I can travel to Wellington but not be based in Wellington? He Mm. went, okay, is that okay for our clients? Uh, yeah, and that's going to work for you? Yeah, good, do it. So I did. Mm. But I think um, having that confidence and knowing that it's okay to say, look, I think I'd like to work in Auckland because I have the support I need, I think that cultural piece is is really important underpinning one you have to work at all the time and I certainly continue to want to really drive in our business here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that story for a couple of reasons. The first is that your manager at the time didn't make any assumptions about you, about the fact that you'd just returned to work mm. and they didn't just assume that you wouldn't want to travel or um, be take on this huge new leadership position. They, they, mm. they made sure they asked. The other part of that is that, I mean, with this story is that I think you mentioned your second child is your first and second child are teenagers. So, so this wasn't like a year, a couple of years ago. <laughs> this was what fifteen years ago or yeah, so. Exactly, yeah, exactly, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah so it's 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 mm. very forward thinking in that way. Mm. So today, obviously having a bigger leadership position now, what what does an average week and an average day look like for you, given that you have got now? Three. Well, the third is almost a teenager, I believe, but but still three <laughs> yeah. kids at home. So you've still got a busy family life. What what does it look like for you? I think the number one thing you have to do is is try and be really disciplined. And I remember when I first started working, my boss at the time said to me, the work habits you create now will be impossible for you to change. Get them right. Mm. And and he was just a great proponent of, you know, what what do you need and how do you plan it? And, you know, and he used to say, oh, and things will always go wrong. (laughs) But having the plan to start with, I think, is really important. So I really try and make sure that, you know, we we plan the week in terms of what the work hours are, um, that I try and have and make sure, you know, I have an hour or two or three, you know, each night, which is family time. Now, it's quite different. 
than it was two or three years ago because mm. the travel schedule is vastly different and I have to say there's been some real positives in that. Mm-hmm. A lot more opportunity to sit down at dinner time and um, have time with the family. But I think it's about being disciplined about what you do when and making sure you have to say, no, this is time that is important for my family or is important because I have to go to this event. Mm-hmm. And I find if you're you know, focused and determined, you can just make your schedule work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, traditionally, I've travelled a lot more and I used to always have this view of when I'm travelling, I just work, which means when I come back, I can make that time more easily. Mm-hmm. And now I've sort of settled into a slightly, uh, you know, more, I suppose, normal routine. But one thing about working in an international company in the US is, you know, I do tend to have a lot of evening calls, not a mm. lot, but a few times a week, maybe once or twice a week. And again, that's using the flexibility. Mm. Mm. One of the biggest things I um, I think I had to work on really hard was, um, and my, I had an opportunity to work in an Asia-Pacific role. So I was working across a big region and suddenly – you know, your times could be, you know, Australians and New Zealanders want to talk to you at seven o'clock in the morning and the Indians still want to talk to you at midnight and that just doesn't work. Mm. Um, and the thing that I found I had to really get disciplined about and teach myself is it's okay to take two hours in the middle of the day to do something different. You, mm. you can structure your work hours quite differently so long as you focus on what that outcome is. And I think I still find that today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I feel that that's um, even outside of organisations that have good flexible working mm. like IBM does, I feel that hopefully this pandemic period has offered people a little bit more of that if they are mm. doing more work from home or more remote working that they will see that things stretch into hours that were traditionally may have been more their personal hours but maybe they can take back something during the day if that's to go to the gym or for a walk or whatever they need to do Exactly. And look, I think COVID has been such, you know, such a challenging time for all of us because of the shifts and how it's impacted absolutely everybody. Mm. And everybody, though, in very different and individual ways. And so we, we absolutely focused as we went into the pandemic around, you know, how do we, you know, support people the most? Now, we've always had a, a workforce that is able to work from home that has the flexibility to do that for many roles. And um, and so, you know, luckily we found that transition to working from home for most people relatively easy. Mm. But, but then the new schedules and the new routines you have to build took some work. So that's where we worked on. For example, one thing we did was um, implemented a work from home pledge, you know, pledging that we will be family sensitive in what we do, pledging yeah. that we support family needs, um, a pledge to support, you know, not ready camera times. I can personally tell you from working in global roles that if you do have to, for some reason, do a call at 6 a.m., I'm not going to be on the camera. Okay, not ready camera times. <laughs> okay, I like that, yeah. <laughs> because mm. there are times like that or um, I pledge to be kind. And, you know, just thinking through th- those things and actually saying them out loud, mm. being intentional is really important. You know, related to what I was talking about earlier, how do you continue to foster um, some of the pieces of it's okay? Um, one of the things we did, for example, is we have a um, work-life leave day available to everybody. Mm. And it's not so much that that day of leave makes all the difference. What it does is say it's okay to have work-life requirements that mean you need to take leave. We get it. Mm. And here's an extra day you know, not only so you can use it most effectively to 
attend something at your kid's school or to, you know, support a school trip or whatever you need to do. Support, you know, maybe elderly parents who are moving into care. But actually, it's also about it being okay to say it mm. and, and be part of the culture. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, through the pandemic period, and it must be, I mean, being part of a global organisation, it would be quite, um, uh, participating in those meetings quite uh, different depending on where you are. We were just talking about India before mm. we walked in. Mm. That's obviously quite a different situation to what we're experiencing now in Australia. In the United States with homeschooling, um, continuing in a lot of places a year later um, but also obviously experiencing your own version of lockdown wherever you were at the yeah. time um, I'm, I'm guessing probably in Sydney so it wasn't the extensive one that our colleagues and friends in Victoria did but how did that go for you how did you manage that because you're not only trying to manage yourself your family everything going on in, with your own well-being but you're a leader so you've got to be obviously managing the well-being of the staff while also trying to keep everything running as well. You know, I think this is one of those times where you've also got to think about what matters to people and what they need and practice a little bit of what you preach. As we went into lockdown, thinking about some of those pledges of how we'd work and speaking them out loud mattered. Mm. And then actually, you know, living up to them, which, you know, like all of us, you, you do your very best to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, we had a lot of, um, one of the things I did was a lot of, uh, discussions with both small groups right through to large groups and the whole team around, um, you know, key things we were doing and, and, and just having the chance for people to talk. Mm. You know, what help do you need or what's going on or what are you seeing? And, um, and we talked a lot about things like, well, can we do walking meetings for some of our meetings? Mm. Okay. Mm. So I started doing that and I'd pick, you know, one or two meetings a week where I'd go – just so you know, I'll be on the phone and I'll be walking because mm. I need the outside time. Uh, you know, I saw some of our teams do that so effectively. Their daily stand-up was a daily stand-up walking mm. wherever they were. Mm. Or And we introduced and had a lot more support around mental health, ran workshops for managers, did a lot of work there too. Um, and so I think mental health and wellbeing has been a, you know, a really big focus. And then the last thing that um, that I'd probably comment on is – it's an incredible community we have globally and we have a lot of, um, we use Slack as a core communications tool. We have a lot of Slack channels just dedicated to having discussions, one around, um, you know, families and talking about, you know, situations that might be happening. People provide advice or, you know, ideas, share stories. But we have another one that's um, about family and learning which I've seen used lots. And, of course, if you're a family in lockdown for some time, being able to have additional, you know, materials and um, resources for teaching and mm. supporting kids has been, you know, something I've seen a lot of people reach out and use. I imagine quite different for people in the US and yet, you know, here in mm. Sydney, I saw people use it too and I certainly, with my 12-year-old, there's a few really great um you know, little documentaries and various things that we've seen there that we've we've gone and looked at too. So sharing those resources, the things that work for, for kids overseas will work for kids here as well. Absolutely, in these sorts of situations. So, um, I, I want to ask about your career. You've you've been with IBM a long time. So mm. twenty eight years before you were appointed um, managing director in uh, twenty nineteen, looking after Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. So. Over that time, you've taken the three stints of parental leave or had three mm -hmm. kids. I'm not sure how it worked out. But um, <laughs> could, could you talk me through 
how that happened, um, what kind of leave you took, what was your transition back to work like and anything that also really helped at that time. I mean, you mentioned obviously having a, a good manager at that point who didn't make assumptions about you when they offered that promotion into New Zealand. But mm. what could you say about that period, the career of uh, seeing, uh, excelling into a leadership career while growing a family at the same time? Yeah, so look, um, you know, I was in an Asia-Pacific role and travelling a lot when mm. I had um, my first son. So it was really obvious I wasn't, I couldn't see a path to go back into that kind of role immediately. And I think, again, that's where the support of, um, and being able to have a really open discussion around, I want to come back, here are the kind of roles I'd really like. You know, I, I will plan to have, I think I'd always plan to have like, nine months leave we thought was probably going to write but I don't know if anyone ever knows mm. <laughs> until mm. you're in it you just yeah. don't know <laughs> but um but I said at the time to my uh, boss then I said look but if the right one of these roles comes up I don't want you to think that I'm so hard and fast you wouldn't just pick up the phone and say how are you going what do you think mm. so um so with my first coming back into the workplace I had the opportunity um one of the roles I'd said I'd always love to do was running our software business here in Australia and um, and I was about I was six months into my leave when he rang and said, "Hmm, don't know how you're going, but did want to let you know that this role's coming up. What do you think?" Mm. <laughs> and mm. I went, "Okay, well let's talk." And and I, I think it was a good time in the sense that it was far enough through. I felt like you know things were getting a bit of a pattern, and I knew what was going on. But I also knew I wanted to come back. So um, so yeah, I came back a little bit earlier than I expected. The transition was just interesting because uh, you know parenting's learning something every single day, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and you know I felt like for some of that time the hardest part was just the sort of juggling and getting the timing right between my husband and me, and we decided to do daycare some days, and we had um, I, I was really lucky to have my my mum's here in Sydney, so she used to take my um, for my son two days a week. So mm. we just sort of kept adjusting the schedule to make it work and um, and move through it. But I think having that a pretty um, – the ability to have some flexibility, it really made a difference because mm. we all know what some days can be like and, you know, the fact that you could stay home a couple of extra hours in the morning, do your first couple of meetings, then go into the office – I found made a really big difference and that flexibility really helped. Yeah, yeah. And also for – because – just things come up all the time. Mm. They get sick all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> things never go to plan. No, they but, don't um, go to plan. So, And look, mm. for me personally, I mean, I think the hardest part was just learning how to actually ask for help mm. and what kind of help really made a difference. And so, you know, we got much better at having a, you know, a close sort of set of, okay, mum and dad or – you know, friends where we, we would do the same with them too sometimes, uh, you know, just working, mm. you know, s I don't have never had to do that. So you sort of uh, learn and adapt. Yeah, your plan B, your plan C. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I thought my second would be, uh, you know, therefore just easy. Mm. <laughs> but um, the second was when uh, after a few months, uh, after not long, I chose to go into my New Zealand role. So mm. That was uh, that was pretty exciting. So we managed a bit of an international move at the same time. But but for my husband and I, it was a lot of also going home where um, my sister is there and my husband's family and his sisters are there. So we we had a really nice um, set of um, support, I think, mm. outside. And then uh, when I was in New Zealand, um, I was actually pregnant with my third um, 
son when um, I got when I was asked if I'd like to take on a role uh, looking after a really broad part of the world we called growth markets out of Shanghai. And I went, mm. oh, <laughs> well, I kind of need to let you know that I'm pregnant and I don't think that's going to work. And then he went, uh, the, the guy at the time, he rang me back the next day and he said, no, I think you can make it work. Tell me what you need. Oh, <laughs> I went, okay. mm, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to think about that. But as a family, we thought what an awesome opportunity to go mm. and live somewhere um, else in the world and experience something. But the big thing for me was going to be travel. So, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had five months of maternity leave and then we'd agreed I was going to have four months where I just didn't travel. So I did the job in a very different way to start with mm. than probably what I would have otherwise. But, you know, again, lucky to be supported to do that. And then, um, and then slowly, you know, kind of with a nice plan, started to do a bit more travel as as the family was sort of settled enough to do that. So yeah. So the very family different. living in Shanghai, mm. I imagine in quite a close uh, close quarters in, in Shanghai. It's um, yeah. Yeah, obviously well, very crowded and very different and a big cultural adjustment. Yeah, well, yes and no because um, Shanghai, like a lot of uh, large international cities, also has some almost areas which are well catered for expats. Mm. So there was English schools. So mm. my kids, my older two were at an English school and the sort of area we lived in, a lot of expats. So it actually felt like a little kind of microcosm of real China or real Shanghai as a result. Yeah, yeah. But it was great for families and, and a great environment. Yeah, Certainly a, a very different um, as I was going back into the workplace. And look, here in um, Australia and New Zealand, we have things like, you know, every office has um, has a breastfeeding room and area. Mm-hmm. Um it probably wasn't my experience in Shanghai when I sort of came in, was getting back into work, starting to still expressing, sort of yep. went and said, okay, where can I do this? Yeah. And they kind of went um, <laughs> across the road. <laughs> across the road. <laughs> into that big modern new shopping centre over there. Downstairs they have a, a feeding room. That should work. Wow. And I went, okay. hmm, <laughs> not sure. So um, – so so I went, hmm, let's, let's have a look. And then we discovered there was a, quite a nice setup for a, a medical room in, the same, in, in our office. It was mm. actually a floor down from where I was actually based, but in our office. And I said, well, what if we have a look at that and, you know, I can use it. It has a lock. You know, it won't be in the way. It has a fridge. It has a sink. It has, you know, all the things that are great mm. for that. And they went, Okay, <laughs> but um, but we're fantastic about going. Okay, well, if that's what you need, and you know, you've agreed to um, to you know have a few months not travelling, and you'll be in the office quite a bit, we can work that. So yeah, I yeah. suppose it was my first experience the other way around, going um, <laughs> and and then getting just a bit of well, this is what I need. So how are we going to make it work? And I was again lucky. I was sort of supported with it, but it ended up working okay. Yeah, yeah. So was that so that probably set in motion as well? I imagine they still have that breastfeeding room there in the Shanghai office or some other form of that room. Yeah, yeah. And mm. um, I don't know. I haven't been back there, but yeah. um, but in terms of just just knowing what a difference it makes, those little things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great to be able to support it. Yeah. And sometimes I, I'm I'm just thinking about it, breastfeeding and expressing when when I was doing so and it wasn't really anything – I didn't really think about that when making the plan about how much leave I would take and returning. It's more as you're about to return, you think, oh, I'm still, oh, yeah. still breastfeeding. <laughs> so And I want to do it a bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that whole – and I had some disasters of – 
things spilling in my handbag on the way home on the train and just um, <laughs> different offices and places where you end up expressing or at conferences or events when you don't, again, you don't really think about it, but you need to go and find not only a private place, but also if you are using an electric pump, you, you want it to, uh, you don't really want people to hear that either. So <laughs> just, yeah, things to consider. And I hope more, uh, not just offices, but also conferences and events to have those facilities available if you, if you are going to have a lot of women there. I think one of the biggest learnings I had, which is kind of as a result or reverse of what we're talking about is, you know, it, it's really difficult to know what's what somebody else might need. And I think we, uh, you know, we have this you know, view sometimes that we have managers and leaders who are, you know, ultra human, read our minds, know what we need. And in reality, I find sometimes as a leader, I don't have enough time to think about myself Mm. and everything else I'm doing, let alone really have the time to get inside the heads of what people really need. Mm. So I think um, one of the biggest things I had to learn and, you know, and I repeat to people is, you know, if you can really be clear on what you do need and what you think is going to give you the best outcome and, you know, enable you to be your very best, Mm. share it. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Because then you've got a chance of getting it. Mm. You know, thinking it in your head and wishing it doesn't help move that forward. And and people don't always have ESP. They can't always tell. And, you know, I think my breastfeeding example is sort of one of them. I, how would my boss have sort of thought about that? Mm. Let alone someone who's helping me, who's the office manager when I'm coming they probably didn't even know I, you know, had a mm. very small baby at the time until you're there. So I think that piece of being able to be clear mm. now, in that case, it being number three definitely helped because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you learn every step, don't you? And, I mean, being clear and communicating, do you think that if you hadn't have communicated the fact that you were still open for bigger opportunities and roles before you went on leave, do you think you still would have had those offers? I think one of the things we do work on really hard and I find myself repeating and talking to our teams about a lot is don't make assumptions for other people. Mm. So just because you might think, you know, someone's on leave for this or, you know, has said in the past that they can't travel or has said in the past that they wouldn't move, let's not make assumptions. Let's, If we really think we've got great people, which we clearly do, let's ask first. Mm. So I think that's really important. I mean, in my particular case, I don't know if you can tell, but no question that you lower the risk if you're clear and say, you know, I really want to come back and here's some options that I'd really Mm. be excited by. Mm. At least it helps. It gives, you know, your leaders every chance to to even help look and make that happen. Yeah. So I Mm. I think it's both. I think one of the very hard things for me, and I'm hope I'm not unique, is at the time you're saying that, it feels like you kind of have to take a deep breath and say it because you're not really sure how it's going to go. Yeah. You don't yeah. actually know. Mm. But what I think um, I took from it and worked through was, but by saying it, what I'm really saying is, please come and talk to me. Mm. Please come and talk. And if at the time I got to a point where, oh, my gosh, it just hasn't gone how we expected and, you know, my family does need me longer in this, you know, at home, then I could have said so at the time. Mm. But mm. the other way around, you can't make that back. If they forget or don't think of it or <laughs> yeah. make an assumption, yeah. then you don't even know. Mm. So 
for me, it felt like I was taking a big step being that clear and I really do want to come back and that was sort of how I worked through it. Mm, okay. <laughs> so I guess I, I want to ask a, a little bit about the future and also just to learn a little bit more about um, – some, some key initiatives that you're doing with IBM, which you have um, obviously gone through already and that communication piece seems like a big one in making sure that people don't make those assumptions. But I guess, so given the year that we've just had in the mass transition to working from home and experiences that will, I mean, might be sustained for, for many businesses, but it sounds like obviously things were already happening that way for IBM. I mean, I don't think it was a particularly difficult transition for everyone to just suddenly be working from home in a lockdown situation as it was for, for different types of businesses. But do you, do you feel like generally, if we look at workplaces here in Australia, are we on the cusp of long-term change in how we work? Is, is this going to sustain itself and create possibly more family-friendly opportunities for the next generation of working parents or this current generation of working parents who are having their kids right now? First and foremost, I think we've proven to, to many and in many businesses things we didn't think we could do, we couldn't, mm -hmm. we can. You know, mm -hmm. really a phenomenal how we saw people move to work from home that we were able um, you know, as an economy to continue to drive as much mm. that um, that you can make these things work. And I think that's a massive step because I think one of the inhibitors for some businesses was just that I'm not sure it will ever work, so I'll just keep it going how it is. Mm. So, you know, having made that step, having seen that, yes, I, I'm really confident that this will change the way people think about working going forward. Mm. You know, absolutely. Mm. And just like we saw in, in IT, this massive shift around digital transformation and people suddenly doing things they never imagined they would, you know, large parts of the population who probably didn't even know what, you know, what a mobile phone app was, suddenly using it every single day. Mm. You know, many examples um, of digital. I think we've seen that transfer into the way we work as well and into mm. working from home. I don't think um, anyone was quite prepared for lockdown. I think working from home and flexibility and lockdown would be very three different, very yeah. different it's, things. It's a, it's a big scale there, isn't it? So working but, from home with your kids in the background is quite yeah. different, yeah. But the working mm. from home piece, I think, um, you know, and, and just enabling that flexibility, I think, you know, absolutely, you know, many workplaces will be transformed forever. Mm. There are also a lot of, uh, a lot of people who – have roles that require them in offices or at their mm. workplace. We, we saw, we had a proportion of my team that are just phenomenal, essential workers who continued to be with clients or on site mm. ourselves. And, and so there's absolutely a proportion that's going to continue like that. And we have to also think about how we support them even yeah. more effectively going mm. forward. I do think we saw you know, drastic, drastic impact, particularly on women over the last year, mm -hmm. that we have to work on how we address. Mm. We saw, um, you know, an, a disproportional here in Australia, disproportional impact on employment where women lost more jobs than men did. We saw a disproportionate impact of those um, who, were, who had support and funding. So JobKeeper, for example, not being available to casual workers had a far bigger impact on women who tend to have a higher mm. proportion of the casual work. And we um, we absolutely also saw that women tended to pick up more of the additional responsibility, 
you know, homeschooling and other things mm-hmm. than, um, than men. So across the time, there was this sort of triple whammy of things that impacted women disproportionately. Mm. So I wouldn't want to say that we think, therefore, it's a, you know, that the outcome was all good. There are some really good pieces from it. And working from home and flexibility and having an environment that enables that, I think, does support people who want to balance family, mm. men and women, <laughs> who want to balance family and have to do that in different ways. Um, but I do think also we have a big responsibility to continue to think about how we support women even more given given what we saw happen. Yeah, yeah. And there's also the risk, as um, I shared at the prior to this conversation with you, is this research showing that uh, men are actually keener to get back to the office and back to the office full-time than women are. And so what that might say going forward if women end up taking that work from home and men end up being physically located in offices, if we kind of ingrain further these uh, gender, gendered roles that, that women are really taking the the, the the burden of in terms of domestic duties and caring responsibilities and that kind of thing. So my hope is that we, if there's any way that it's uh, more equalised between men and women, who is working from home and who is not, and if it's a decision that's not necessarily left in to the working mums or something that they all end up working from home, that this becomes something that everyone not only has access to but is actually participating in. That's an easy one, but it's absolutely an example of as we move to this hybrid work mm. environment, we will see more flexibility across many more businesses than existed before. You know, it requires a lot more than just, you know, that's one big piece of it, who Mm. ends up staying from home. But it's also about how we work when five people are in the office and one person's at home. Mm. Or, Mm. um, you know, if if everyone's at home or everyone's in the office, that's really different environments to, you know, a few out and a few in. I think the experience we've had being a business that is international and so regularly having – that kind of hybrid mix, even for us, this is different. Mm. And we're having to work through the new ways to think about how we make sure we keep the right people engaged and working, you know, successfully. Mm. And outcomes matter. So how we support people to get those outcomes. Mm. Mm. So what would you like to see? I know that you've answered part of this (laughs) throughout the conversation, but what would you like to see more leaders and workplaces doing to support working parents? I suppose at the core of what I've seen is that diverse workplaces where we can create an inclusive environment, and, and there, is a, there is a difference there. I mean, we can have diversity, but still not that last step of people feeling really included. Like, mm. they can be their real selves, who they are every day at work, mm. and say what they need to, to ensure that, you know, they're able to be successful. So diverse and inclusive workplaces truly drive better results. And so I think the biggest piece underlying all of this is how do we continue those focused areas around what more can be done on diversity and inclusion, hybrid workplace, parental leave. There's many aspects to it. The biggest thing to me is how do you get a balance of all of those pieces because that makes it work really well versus, well, we have one of those and we're excellent at it, but but the others aren't Mm, so important. mm. So I think the balance across all of it and the continued focus on those things is really important. And I think the the work here that's being done to start saying, well, how do you, even to 
challenge us as businesses to think about what are the right national work and family standards? What, what are the right kind of frameworks that we should all work through? I think that's really important work and I'm, I'm really excited that it's, uh, mm. that it's being done and we're really pleased to be able to support it. Yeah, that it's all coming together now. So um, is there anything you have, again, shared some of the things that you're doing, but anything specifically from IBM that you'd like to mention that is um, particularly supportive of working parents that, I don't know, may inspire other businesses or other leaders to to consider? I like what you say about it being connected because I, I, I just so – there's no point having the best paid parental leave out there if – nobody is supported when they return to work. What is the point? That's just costing your business money because you'll lose them later on. So the idea of it being connected and thinking about all these pieces and making sure that it's constantly inclusive is so important. But anything else that you'd like to specifically note about um, what IBM is doing here? Look, I think we um, continue to double down around what flexibility really means. So what do people really need? and how you support and drive the right culture to enable it to be successful. So diversity, inclusion, flexibility, how do you make sure that, as you just pointed out, great example, great parental leave, but when you come back, there's no facilities to help you come back to work effectively as a working mother or as a working father. I mean, I think we increasingly, you know, have that open discussion around parental leave, mm. <laughs> not not mm. always one, and yeah. um, that's important. I think we have also, you know, doubled down and are spending more time thinking about how we support mental health. It's also such a massive piece of um, of being family friendly just because we know there are times in your life where the stress is very different and very high. You know, <laughs> being being a parent at home with uh, you know homeschooling kids while you're trying to work that's that's tough. Mm. <laughs> so how we support people around mental health and being confident is uh, is another key thing we've been uh, working on. And then you know I don't want to um, finish on a sort of more negative note, but we talked about some of the impacts through COVID, particularly on women. But um, you know the one part I didn't talk about there was around domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And that's another another thing and it being, um, you know, May being Domestic Violence Month is something I think we all have mm. to have um, top of mind and these things link. So I think the most important part is the framework and making sure you're kind of moving the bar forward on all of them as best you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. I think um, just to uh, talk further on that point then is that if for, for people who might be caught in a domestic violence situation, a work can be a very safe place to go. And so to have that taken away, obviously it's not only about being in a lockdown situation, which was awful, and we did see the huge increases in numbers to various domestic violence helplines during that period, but it's also – if you are being in a hybrid work model, if you are doing more work from home, that that may carry some risks for women. And so what organisations and employers can do to to think about how they can support their or what they might be able to offer. And and what we learnt through last year, you know, amongst many things we learnt, but one thing we learnt is how critical just regular communication, having, you know, by phone with managers, by phone with colleagues, video conferences, you know, Slack channels where people can have channels of communication is so important. 
and therefore around you know areas of mental health and areas on domestic violence a lot of it's also about for the broader population to be able to recognize that something might be different mm. and especially when people are working from home and those things might not be as obvious that someone is displaying different behaviours or working in a different way because they're no longer as visible as they were as your colleague sitting next to you in the office. So mm. I think there's there's absolutely a lot more we can do that continues to, you know, just build understanding an ability to observe or, you know, recognise and then, and then know, you know, what support services and how we, we can line up to help people. The Family Friendly Workplaces podcast is an initiative supporting the National Work and Family Standards for Workplaces, which informs employers of the minimum and best practice policies they can invest in to create a great family-friendly workplace culture. You can learn more at familyfriendlyworkplaces.com.